0: As you know, uh, Pastor Mike has been going through a study um, covering different relationships in our lives. We've, we've covered dating and marriage. We're going to see parenting, children. We're, we're trying to cover as many areas as we can. And there's one element of relationship that I'm really excited to get to share with you today. Because um, it's, it's, it's such an important one. Because when it stands the test of time, it can uh, be a constant throughout all of these other stages of our lives, and it can be a real source of spiritual nourishment and encouragement in our lives. And there was a study that was conducted a few years ago that found that uh, people between the ages of 18 to 34 were more lonely than people over the age of 55. And so they deduce that, you know, once they get out of school, whether it's high school, college, they get into the workforce, maybe they live alone, um, that they tend to lack meaningful, deep friendships and relationships. Now, this study, it wasn't necessarily directly tied to church community. I think there would be a difference if, they, if they'd utilize that. But there, it does speak to just a general problem with how the world prioritizes friendship relationships. And know some of you adults now are like, talking about friendships, that sounds like little kid stuff. No, this is important for all of us to engage in and to really consider what that means in our lives. But it seems like it's harder and harder to have like real friendships, right? Loneliness can be a real problem and it, be, it can become a, a spiritual problem as, as well as, as we feel isolated, as we are detached from other people. Having deep, meaningful friendships it's, it's so valuable to our Christian life because at their best, at their strongest, they can be our encouragers, our, our counselors. They, they speak truth into our lives. They support us. They correct us in ways that really a lot of other people can't do as well because they know us so well when you build those kind of foundational friendships. I think so often now they frequently just take the same amount of mental space for us as just like scrolling through people's lives online, as opposed to actually doing real life with other people. But surely something as biblical and just supremely human as like the discipline of friendship, I think it's worth recapturing in the physical world, in our lives, as the spiritual benefits from cultivating these kinds of relationships are so incredibly invaluable to us. So knowing that, it's, it's really not surprising that loneliness would be a tactic of the enemy, right? Because it's not good to be lonely. It's not God's plan. We are inherently built for community. That goes beyond our marriages, too. We are built for community with friendships as well. So of course, of course the enemy is going to try to mess up God's design for connection, for true companionship in our lives. And so with that, I think one biblical friendship that I think is absolutely worth looking at on a deeper level is the story of Jonathan and David. I'm sure you've heard elements of this story before. So to do that, there's, there's a whole lot that goes on in this story. You're gonna to turn to uh, the book of 1 Samuel. We're gonna look at different sections of that story and just get glimpses of this great example of biblical friendship that I believe is worth emulating. And our main point for this morning is that biblical friendship is rooted in covenantal love. It's deeper, it's more meaningful than just an everyday friendship. We're going to look at what what that means, what to be in a covenantal friendship really means. So so I say we're going to be in 1 Samuel. We're going to look at first in the chapter chapter 18. We'll hit a couple different chapters here, so um, just kind of all bunched up together. But just for a little bit of context, leading into chapter 18... Uh, there's a very exciting story that kind of is bordering around all of the the stories that we're looking at today. So in chapter 16, you're seeing that uh, the Lord has rejected King Saul. The spirit of the Lord has left him because Saul has, has just turned away from following the Lord at all. And so the prophet Samuel, he is sent to a man named Jesse to anoint one of his sons as the next king. And that's David, who we all know. So then you see in chapter 17, it's this really unknown, fl- flies-under-the-radar story about David and Goliath. You've probably never heard of that. But if you need a really in-depth retelling of that story, I highly recommend this historically accurate uh, piece of media here, and it's this one right here. <laughs> so that is Dave and the Giant Pickle that I grew up on. And Actually, we'll just watch it really quick. Can you roll the... We'll just watch the whole video really quick. We don't have it. Okay. Oh, fine. That's fine. We just watch it later. That's, we'll watch in between services or something. I don't know. It'll be good. But, um, so, Jonathan, in this story, he is King Saul's son. And so, in, as we're leaning up here, David kills Goliath. I'm sure you know that part. Um, he takes Goliath's sword back to King Saul. And this is where we're picking up in chapter 18, here in verse 1. So, we're going to read a couple of verses here. So in this relationship between David and Jonathan, we see what truly just makes up a strong biblical friendship. And so this, this first section that we're reading, we see our point here that we'll just kind of cover is the foundations of true friendship. So the foundations, we're going to see what just, what makes up the foundations of a true friendship. And to build a biblical foundation in our friendships, there must be a willingness to commit. Must commit to these friendships that God has, has given us in our lives. And so, when David finished his conversation with Saul, his fame in Israel is pretty, pretty much set at this point. You know, he, he just performed a very remarkable, heroic deed, and he was, at this point, welcomed into the leadership of Israel. And if you go back a couple chapters, you'll see that Jonathan has already appeared in this story in chapter 14. He, we know of him to be a brave man of faith. Um, he was a warrior. Jonathan was a lot like David, where they were, they were close to the same age. You know, they, they both were great, bold men with trust in God. They were both men of action. But most of all, in all of this, they both had a real relationship with God. At the same time, Jonathan and David were very different. Consider Jonathan was the firstborn son of a king. David was the lastborn son of a farmer. And just by general expectations, Jonathan should be the next king of Israel. Just if you go down the line here. Yet Jonathan saw David's heart. He saw his faith with the living God. And Jonathan knew that he and David were aligned. And so he loved David because of what they had in common, which was a real relationship with the Lord. And so he knew that he could make a covenant of commitment that was built on this foundation of commitment and loyalty to, each, to David that it would prove stronger than any possible jealousy or envy or ambition. And so when Jonathan gives him his robe and gives him his armor, If he's saying, I've I've committed myself to you, to this friendship, to this relationship, I'm dressing you and arming you as the crown prince because I see that God's hand is on you and these rightfully belong to you. That is a commitment, a covenant commitment. Because Jonathan was surrendered to God so he could see that the hand of the Lord was on David. So he was perfectly willing to set aside any personal ambition that he might have had to honor the Lord in that moment. So to just continue to see elements of that commitment, I want you to jump over to chapter 20 now. If you remember much of this story, you'll you'll remember that Saul is pretty angry throughout most of this towards David. I mean, that's kind of his thing. He's just, he's mad at David. And so uh, Jonathan hears of of Saul's plan to kill David, and so he tells David to, to run, to, to stay hidden, to keep safe, and we see that in chapter 19, um, and so as we pick, that's, that's kind of what's leading into what we, we see here in chapter 20. So look at uh, verses 1 through 4. Here it says, then David fled from Nioth and Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, what have I done? What is my guilt? And What is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? And he said to him, Far from it, you shall not die. Behold, my father does nothing, either great or small, without disclosing it to me. Why should my father hide this from me? It is not so. But David vowed again, saying, Your father knows well that I have found favor favor in your eyes. And he thinks, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. Then Jonathan said to David, whatever you say, I will do for you. So David is in great distress here. He, he needs, he's just checking in uh, with Jonathan, checking on their relationship. You know, he obviously, he wanted to know what Saul was thinking here, but he really needed to be reassured of his relationship with Jonathan as well. And so when he's asking, like, what have I done, he's, he wants to know, like, has Jonathan come to a place of agreement with with Saul? Like, where is his heart at in this? And so Jonathan is able to reassure David that he was still his loyal friend, that he was there to do what he needed to do as his friend. And so Jonathan continues to reassure him. He's bringing encouragement. He's offering help to his discouraged friend. And think about, like, in that moment, it's very possible Jonathan could have responded with, like, man, where's your faith? Like, why are you so... Like, why are you so caught up in, in your distress? Why aren't you just trusting God? That's who I know you to be or who I thought you were. And I guess in some ways, he could have offered that in, in some way, but, but instead he, he just wanted to encourage, he wanted to assure David that he was there with him and for him. Because God, godly friends, they share covenantal commitment to one another. And so we see Jonathan's commitment, and we see his loyalty to David, as he intercedes in this moment. You see, this is, this is deeper than just casual friendships that you kinda say hello to and you pass on. It's, it's deeper than that, that idea of like, I'll stick with you as long as it's convenient for me or if it's easy for me or if it benefits me. Those, those kind of friendships, those are disposable relationships. And, and disposable relationships, they, are, they aren't a biblical, covenantal friendship like we, we want in our lives. You, you and I, we are not called to just use people up and throw them away. And so these disposable kinds of relationships that our world is really very often used to, that is the opposite of a covenant. Because a covenant relationship, it's not what you can get out of it. It's, it's, a, it's about something that you decide to never get out of, that you are committed for the long haul. It's deeply caring and radically sharing with one another. Covenant friendships produce commitment. And so Jonathan, he chose to be committed no matter the circumstances of their friendship. Because he saw that their friendship honored God. And so he was obedient to that covenant regardless of the cost. What a good friend that is to have. And that's the kind of relationship God wants to call us into with other people. And so ask yourself, how committed are you to the friendships that you've built? You know, are, are they friendships that are only important to you as, as long as they're convenient? And I think of when I was in high school, uh, I, had, I had friends in high school, but they weren't necessary, they weren't godly friends, and, but it was just who I had available to me, quite honestly, uh, at the time. And I just, as horrible as this might sound, I just remember thinking like, after high school, I think, I think our time will, will part ways. It, just, it was a convenient friend in the moment, but I knew it wasn't a long-lasting, it wasn't a lifelong friendship because it wasn't built on the foundation of the Lord. So have you built friendships that you've seen the value in committing to, establishing like real relationships? Have you seen that in your life? Do you, do you need to cultivate more of those? And so then as we grow in commitment to others, there will, be a, there will come a time of, of testing that commitment. When difficult seasons come, we will be tested to to see, is this worth continuing to be obedient to the Lord? And so we're going to see a test in Jonathan and David's friendship. We're going to continue down chapter 20 here. Go to verse 30, and I'll read a couple of verses here. So it says, then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said to him, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman, Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. Therefore send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Then Jonathan answered Saul his father, Why should he be put to death? What has he done? But Saul hurled his spear at him to strike him, so Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. And Jonathan rose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had disgraced him. And so we're seeing this next step in covenant friendship. We're seeing the, tr- the tests of true friendship. And so what's happening here is David and Jonathan had made this decision for David to, to not be present at this special feast that was occurring. That, did not make Saul very happy. And so Jonathan is standing up for David. Saul's kind of enticing Jonathan in a lot of ways. He's like, if David's around, you are not going to be king. And so Jonathan could have very easily, if he was a different kind of person, seen what would benefit him in that moment. And so with him standing up to, to Saul, Saul gets so angry, we see that he, he literally throws a spear at his own son to kill him. And so Jonathan leaves in anger, but not because Saul tries to kill him. No, see that it's because he was grieved for David because of the way that his father has disgraced him. Even still in this moment, he's thinking of his friend and what this means for his life. And so he stood against his father, willing to sacrifice everything, his position, his status, his life, in this moment, for his friend. His loyalty sacrificed his safety. You can't help but think of uh, when you read, first, or read uh, John, you can follow along on the screen here, where it says, Jesus says this, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. We know that only a few days after saying this, Jesus will live out this truth, that he will voluntarily give his own life to bring undeserving people like you And like me, into relationship, into friendship with him. And so then his words, a few verses later, they permanently alter our status. He says in verse 15, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. How awesome! How awesome is that? These are the words of Jesus. But then when you think about Jesus' commands to the disciples to say, that, that when he says to love one another. And so when you see that connection, it's very clear that if love in its highest and greatest form was demonstrated through Christ's self-sacrificial death on our behalf, then clearly the love that we display to one another through our friendship must also be characterized by self-sacrifice. But I think this is where we face a problem, generally. See, we're creatures of comfort, right? We we don't like relationships that demand too much from us. To an extent, yes, but we always seem to have our limits, right? Really, our sacrificial love might more often extend to a stranger because there's less required of us. Certainly not much of our time, our energy, or our, our resources. It's a fleeting sacrifice with a real friend, with a real relationship, taking time to listen to a friend's burden or heartache and and carrying that burden with them, maybe sitting with them in their sorrow or taking that phone call that you know might be a long one, making the drive to meet them wherever they're at, standing alongside them, maybe at your own cost, your own time, your own energy, Those are the moments that our willingness to sacrifice are exposed. But biblical love it's about the other. Its focus is on serving one another. Biblical friendships they they cannot survive in in a mentality of self. And So to flourish they require that self-sacrificial love enabled by the self-sacrificial unwavering devotion of the Savior who calls us friends first. And so through biblical friendship demonstrated by self-sacrificial love, then we get the opportunity to tell this living story to a world that is so desperately crying out for genuine, real relationships. And then through these friendships that that we grow in and cultivate, two people who honestly may not have much else in common except for Christ can then tell this amazing story of the gospel, of the friend who sacrificed everything to be in friendship with us. How amazing is that? Okay, so we see that David was in trouble. Saul wanted to hold on to his kingship so badly that he would seek to kill David, to kill his own son, just to make that happen. Jonathan would have none of that. And he sacrificed his own safety because he loved his friend so much. He was committed to this friendship. Covenant friendships willingly sacrifice. We don't have to get dragged into it. We don't have to go kicking and screaming. We go willingly because we know that it is honoring to the Lord. And no, it's not just always. Our our very lives, but what other ways do we tend to bristle at the idea of sacrifice? But then you think, it says in Philippians that even though he had the very nature of God, Jesus took that nature of God and put it aside to become human so that he could die for us. So honestly, don't consider yourself so highly that you don't lay down your life for others or your time or your energy, or your resources. If we're gonna be a good friend, we have to have hearts that are willing and ready to sacrifice something or everything. And as we give up more of ourselves for the ones we love around us, we see the commitment to each other grow stronger. And our willingness to give up more of ourselves and those resources and, and the energy It grows, and we we begin more and more to turn away from that inward focus, outward to the needs of others, and the more we grow together, just often so naturally, the more vulnerable we're willing to be with one another, and we're going to see that expression again as we continue down uh, through chapter 20. So here, David is in hiding, again, he has to do this a lot, and Jonathan is going to find him to report some bad news to David that he cannot come back. He is a fugitive of the king, and so in this moment we see just how important vulnerability in our close relationships can be. So look at verse 41 in chapter 20. It says, David rose from beside the stone heap and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. And they kissed one another and wept with one another. David weeping the most. And Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, because we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord shall be between me and you, and between my offspring and your offspring forever. And he rose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. So we're seeing here our third point this morning. This is the expressions of true friendship. We can see that David and Jonathan clearly loved each other. They had such a strong bond of friendship. You have to, th- you have to think that they, they probably envisioned working together as partners and as friends for years and years to come. But now all of this was gone. Because David, he could not come back. Jonathan couldn't go with him. And so all they could do was just weep together. I got to say, I, I really appreciate this, this portion of the story. Because this friendship, this moment that we're seeing, it isn't that stereotypical man relationship where they only can communicate in grunts and kind of elbow jabs and punches to the arm. It's kind of like that, that movie cliche where, I, I, I can't stand this one, where there's these two friends in a crowded room, kind of they're across from each other, they know they'll never see each other again, and literally all they do is just you know what I'm talking about? It's like, no, like go and say something to them, like express something. They just give a little head nod, and it means everything. They're able to say all they need to, and that single head nod. That's not what we see here. We see that when reunited, Jonathan and David, David falls on his face, and they just, they cry together. I mean, David's doing that like ugly cry with the snot coming out, like it's, he's letting it all out. I mean, he is devastated. He's devastated at everything that has taken place. And he's devastated that he would not see his best friend anymore. We get, we get so used to some of these stories in the Bible, we forget that these are real people. And they, they have human interactions and friendships. And they, they are in pain. And I know some of you, you see this level of friendship expressed, and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm not that expressive. I get that, I'm I'm certainly not saying we should all start kissing each other hello and goodbye at this point, I'm not saying that. This was clearly a cultural expression for them, but are you going out of your way to express anything to your friends? Because I think what tends to happen is that culturally we, we box ourselves into certain ways of expression that we get so uncomfortable with displaying any kind of emotion. But clearly, this strong, this great warrior, David, he had no problem with sharing the full range of of emotions with his friend. In fact, later on, when uh, spoiler, when Jonathan dies, David writes and sings a heartbreaking, passionate song, just expressing his sadness over the loss of his friend. I will say, just as a, a little aside here, don't be deceived by any alternative teaching here. The Hebrew text in this context is not what would ever be used for a romantic connection. And there are people that will argue, well, they clearly loved each other so deeply, they shared all of these emotions with each other, so there, there has to be a romantic element, and it's, it's just not true. And honestly, it's really frustrating because we've been so conditioned to look at expressions of heartfelt emotion and assume it has to be romantic or sexual in nature. And that is especially true when it comes to friendship between men. And it's really it's too bad because men, we've become so closed off and unwilling to share any deep emotional connection with one another. And so what ends up happening is you're potentially missing out on an important spiritual component in Christian community. And so, whether it's in your small group, whether it's friendships that you are growing here, if you are not expressing things in your life, you are potentially missing out on these spiritual, covenantal friendships that God is providing for you. Don't miss out on those. The Bible shows us that it is good to show that we really deeply love one another, Sadly, even the body of Christ, we can force ourselves into this emotional isolation because of this distortion and distancing from what God intended in friendship. But we need true biblical friendships in our lives. Women, now of course, of course, you are often better at this than us men. But hear me, you need other women encouraging you, loving you, lifting you up, and encouraging your spiritual life. Express your life to others. Men, you need biblical friendships. You need other men encouraging you, loving you, lifting you up, and encouraging your spiritual life. Open up, express to them. We all need that in some way, and we should all be willing to give that to someone else. God calls for great friendships, deep, and emotional friendships, those are good. And I know that we all have a natural range of expression. But man, we, we shouldn't go our whole lives unable to express some kind of love or care or our needs to other people, who the people that we are call the most important in our lives. And so even still, I know some of you men, and maybe even some of you women as well, you think still, I'm, that's just not me, I'm, I'm just not wired to be this emotional. And that's, there, there's no doubt that God has wired us all in different ways, and that is, that's so good, and that's so necessary, that he, he builds us in different ways. But not being wired to be emotional, it can't mean that we, we don't serve and love others well, either. And that might mean stepping outside of your usual comfortable expressions And connecting with someone through the way that they receive love. They receive connection. That's part of that sacrificial component. Commitment, sacrifice, expression. They are all connected. And God has called us as believers to be people who, who embrace real expressive friendships and display healthy emotional connections. Covenant friendships emotionally engage. And when the church displays these true kinds of friendships, the great thing is the world is going to look at those, they're going to see those and know that something is different, that it's deeper and more meaningful. And we have the opportunity, even in our friendships, to be an attraction to the gospel. And so for our final points, I just want you to jump over to chapter 23 our final passage, we're going to see just how important these covenant friendships can be in building us up spiritually when we are willing to commit and sacrifice and express openly in our friendships. Let's take a look at chapter 23, verse, starting in verse 15. It says, While David was at Horish in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you and you will be king over Israel and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord then Jonathan went home but David remained at Horish. So our last point this morning we're seeing just the blessings of true friendship. So Jonathan is encouraging David's faith when he is in great distress. David's still on the run. He's fully aware that Saul is trying to capture and kill him. And so when Jonathan finds him, he just gets right to work, right? Encouraging David. Don't be afraid. You'll be king. I know it. Even though Saul's still working very hard to stop this from happening. But look again at verse 18. Jonathan knows what God will do for David. So he and David renew the covenant they first made back in chapter 18. The same covenant they renewed in chapter 20. It says here that Jonathan went home David stayed there, and even though Jonathan planned to be standing at David's side, we know at least from what is recorded here that this is the last these men will see each other. And Jonathan will not live long enough to see his friend on the throne. All the more important these words are now from Jonathan. Probably words that David clung to for years to come. God used this final moment to speak truth through the devotion of friendship. And When all these aspects are being expressed, we will see friendship that runs far deeper and have more impact in our lives. And so with that, I just want to take a moment to just expand on, uh, on the blessings of biblical friendship. I'll just touch on these just briefly. So the first one is, biblical friendships provide spiritual encouragement. This is really, this is the very heart of what godly friends do. This is what we see Jonathan doing right here. That means that friendship is more than just hanging out together. It's more than just sharing the same interests and hobbies. Those are great, but there's more to it. Godly friends seek to build one another up. They try to help one another grow and mature spiritually. And To use the language in verse 16, godly friends help each other find strength in the Lord. And it wasn't a weakness on David's part that he needed a friend to encourage him. And we should never think that we are somehow inferior as Christians when that same thing holds true for us. Are you willing and ready to speak encouragement to your friends? Are you open to receiving that encouragement? Second thing is biblical friendships speak God's word to one another. You See, Jonathan spoke God's promises to David This is a reminder to us that the primary way that we can encourage one another is by using God's word. And it's not always like you have to have the most profound insight. It's not always about having to to articulate the deepest of theological truths. But but to pull from from God's word to uh, just share a passage that's meaningful to you. To share a word of comfort and encouragement from how God has expressed it to you through his word. Those are good things that we have the opportunity and blessing to, to give and provide to others. The third thing I would highlight is biblical friendships love at all times. As Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. And we see this in Jonathan. He certainly was not what you would call a fair-weather friend, Right? He didn't maintain his friendship with David only when things were going well, because they hardly ever were at this point. Wasn't to get some perks down the road when David became king. And so a godly friend, they don't change when the circumstances of life change. We are to be friends to others, both in the good times and the bad, right? We share both the joys of life as well as the sorrows. We want to love without condition. What a great opportunity we have to be a friend like that to others. The last thing I would highlight is biblical friendships seek out those in need. We see time and time again, Jonathan went looking for David in the wilderness. He left his comfort and security behind to do so. And so we should also go to those needing encouragement. I think often we just assume, you know, if, if he wants help or if, if he needs someone to talk to, like, he'll reach out, he'll, he'll send me a text, whatever, he'll, he'll let me know. But there's a danger that we become too passive as friends. And at times, we need to take the initiative and go to others in need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us to be present for the people that we are called to love. It takes action And that takes the sacrifice and the willingness to commit to those friendships that God has given us. Covenant friendships spiritually strengthen. I really, I hope that you have such godly friends in your life. If we want to become people after God's heart, we need to become the kind of people that would be this kind of blessing to the people closest to us. I want us to be a church that prays for that kind of friend. I want us to be a church that becomes that kind of friend to others. And you may not feel like you have that friend right now, or you may not feel like you are that kind of friend right now, but I, I, I want to challenge you to come before the Lord and just to ask Him to shape you to be a friend who loves sacrificially, who gives up your life for others, a friend who will connect emotionally, a friend that will grow in commitment. I'm so blessed to look, there's people in this room right now that I'm looking at that God has just grown beautiful friendships with, men that share expressively, that connect with me on a spiritual level, that encourage me in times that I desperately need it. And I want that for you. God wants that for you. But it starts with a commitment to the one who sent his son to die for you because of the covenant that he made with us. Biblical friendship exists when people that are bound together by a common faith in Jesus Christ pursue him together. That's the unique, beautiful f- thing that we find in these covenant friendships. So the point of this, it isn't just so you have like a good friend, like I'm not, I'm not trying to pair you guys off to find your best friend, just to have a friend, to go like... I was going to say mini-golf. That's literally the only thing I could think of just now. (laughs) I need to do more stuff. No, it's... Biblical friendship serves primarily to bring glory to Christ, who brought us into friendship with the Father. It's indispensable to the work of the gospel, and it's an essential element of what God created us for. Hobbies and interests, they change... Stages and seasons of life shift. Friendship needs to be grounded in something deeper and more enduring than these things. Friendship that is truly biblical must therefore begin with our commitment and devotion to Christ. As I said in the beginning, biblical friendship is rooted in covenantal love. We should desire to establish these covenantal friendships that are rooted in God's love and commitment. We see David and Jonathan's friendship that serves as a biblical model for us to follow where true friends, they aim for each other's well-being, they communicate in truth and love, they remain loyal through trials, and they provide strength in the Lord through encouragement. And So as we re- reflect on the friendship of David and Jonathan, we are then reminded of the the beauty of biblical friendship in our lives. As we deepen our relationships with people around us, let's decide right now to strive to build friendships based on that, that mutual commitment to the Lord and to each other so that our friendships may be a source of joy and strength and peace that points us towards God's goodness glory. Are you cultivating those kind of covenantal friendships in your life right now? Are you willing to commit? Are you willing to sacrifice your time, your own self, your own resources to those that God has placed in your life? God is calling us to these real relationships, these friendships that spiritually strengthen us in him. So let's honor God through our friendships. As we deepen our relationships with people around us, let's strive to build those friendships based on that mutual commitment. Let's bear witness to his love and his grace in our lives. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for relationships in all all aspects, in all seasons of our lives. And God, we thank you especially for these deep, meaningful, biblical friendships that you have given us. God, let us not be isolated. Let, Let us not withhold our time, our expressions, our commitment to one another and in allowing ourselves to give more of ourselves to others, God. Would you just bless, bless those friendships, bless those relationships as we strengthen one another in you, as we live out the gospel in our lives. As we, as we walk alongside each other in friendship, committed to you first, that the world may see our commitment to you. The world will see something tangible in our relationships that it, it means something so much more than just a casual friendship that it speaks to you calling us to you first God strengthen our relationships let us be be a, a people that that desires community that desires relationship with one another as so we see the blessings see the fruit of those connections Lord God we just thank you so much that that is a component that is that is given to us that is important to you God we give you all the glory God help us to build our lives on the foundation of you as you call us out to love others we love you it's your name we pray